You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast with Ken Corsini. Educating, inspiring, and connecting you to real estate deals. And now, your host, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with The Deal Farm on today's Best Deal Ever episode. We're joined by Christina Krause. Christina is actually out of Delaware, and she owns a company called Postal Impact. It's a marketing company specifically designed for real estate investors. She herself is a real estate investor and actually has owned over 250 rentals at one point in time. She's done over 100 fix and flips. She has got it dialed in when it comes to probate leads and how to generate them. So I'm super excited to have her on the show. So Christina, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? Hey, thanks so much for coming on. You know, you made such a splash at Collective Genius this last go around that I was super excited to get you on the podcast. Hey, I love being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, you know, I'd love to dive into probates and mailers, which we'll get to. But before we get to that, I want to know, how did you even find yourself in real estate and how did you become an expert with the direct mail and probates? Hmm. Well, this started all the way back in 1999. So I've been doing this for quite a while. I was actually in banking uh, when I got started in real estate. And I always knew I kind of wanted to do it. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what my path was going to be. Um, But probably a couple of years prior to getting involved in real estate, I was up late one night with my family on vacation. And uh, honestly, watched a Carlton Sheets infomercial late one night. Uh, and I, and I knew I wanted to do real estate. I wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, enamored by him per se, but Mm -hmm. I thought, let me buy that. And then I, I I sat there for a couple of years, uh, because I wasn't necessarily wanting to get in then. I just thought it would be good information to have. Uh, and I was managing a department, uh, at the bank that I was working at and I was training someone, um, and I needed to be off the floor to allow them to run, uh, you know, our department for, uh, some specific period of time. So I needed to be there just in case something bad happened. Uh, so I, I brought that book in. I brought the Carlton Sheets course in to keep myself busy while I was just kind of in the wings. Was this the No Money, uh, no money, read, down, cor- no money down course? Uh, yes, I think that's what it was called. Oh, I yeah. think that's what it was called. That's my, um, that's my course, man. That's why I, I point my real estate career back to that course as well. I'll tell you what. Come and, on. And I bought it. <laughs> I'm not kidding you not. I bought it at a garage sale unopened for $10. That's awesome. Best $10 I've ever spent. I I should have done that. I don't even remember what it cost back then. Uh, I just remember kind of going, oh, I should get that, and then not opening it up. Um, I pulled it out, read the whole thing. I was working the night shift at the time in operations, and I read the entire thing in one night. Wow. Um, Stayed up that day, which was my evening. I should have been asleep, but I stayed up that day and uh, bought my first uh, two properties, or found the two the first two properties that I owned that evening or day. What? Um, so yeah, man, I, I was just completely fascinated by it. Like I said, I always knew I wanted to get into real estate, and I knew it excited me. So um, that that was kind of a super quick start for me. Within probably a year and a half of uh, starting in real estate. And I, I got my, I got my uh, start in landlording. I, I was always uh, a big fan of the buy and hold um, 
theory. Yep. Uh, and, and back then, too, uh, flipping and wholesaling, that wasn't super popular, popular yet. True, yeah. Uh, so, you know, that wasn't kind of a buzz at that point. Right. So got my start in landlording uh, slowly. Well, no, I shouldn't say slowly. Relatively quickly uh, built up a pretty sizable portfolio. Um, and at, at the height of uh, what we owned, uh, we owned just over about 250 rentals. Wow. Uh, and managed those ourselves as well as managed a couple hundred for other people as well um, because we began to buy and sell to other investors as well. Uh, so have a really strong back, uh, background in landlording. Uh, somewhere along the way, like a year and a half in, I, I stopped working at the bank. It just didn't make sense for me anymore. Real estate made all the sense in the world to me. Uh, and probably a couple years into my career of uh, landlording, it just made sense. It was a natural progression for us to start to flip houses. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I've probably utilized every method out there that you could possibly think of to get deal, uh, short sales, lease options, you name it. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much every method out there. Uh, one of the methods that we were utilizing to uh, get deals at the time were, uh, was probate, mailing uh, probate leads. And relatively quickly realized uh, that uh, historically those were our most lucrative leads. Uh, and so really began to hone in on that. I mean, at, at, at relatively quickly, I would say a couple of years into mail marketing, uh, we really just recognized the fact that this was lucrative. Uh, this was the, you know, the niche that we wanted to be in uh, and started to focus on getting almost all of our flip deals, either by word of mouth or through wholesalers or what have you, or by direct mail marketing to probate. Uh, so, you know, we were part of masterminds and networking with other investors. Uh, other investors were uh, figuring out that that's what was working for us. Uh, and that's kind of how Postal Impact, my company now, was born, uh, was other investors saying, how are you getting these leads? I really want to market to these leads. Uh, and me figuring out a way uh, to gather that lead, uh, and we, you know, very slowly began to do it nationwide, uh, and the, the demand just continued to grow for it, uh, and that's why I have the company that I do now that uh, manages mail marketing campaigns for, for investors. Uh, we specialize certainly in probate. That's our flagship product. We do, you know, any kind of lead you can imagine, but the vast majority of our clients uh, for sure, focus on probate. Uh, that's what we're really good at, and that's what we specialize in. Interesting. So right out of the gates, you built a rental portfolio of 250 properties that you owned? That's I would say it only took us maybe four or five years. But yeah, maybe four or five years to, to amass that to, that portfolio. And was that in Delaware? Uh, and then like was I said, local? yes, okay. Delaware. Okay. So it was, I, in all fairness, try a little easier to run the table in Delaware than it is in <laughs> some of, of these more competitive states. Yeah. Um, but yeah. nevertheless, I mean, that's kind of how I am anyway. It's kind of, you know, once you decide what you're going to do, you just kind of go all out. Yeah. Um, plus, I know that a lot of people don't feel this way, but man, I loved and still love landlording. I, I enjoyed it. Wow. Uh, and when we got our start, man, I remember like hugging toilets, cleaning them, you know, painting, <laughs> I learned how to patch drywall and felt like a complete rock star. It looked like crap, but you know, there's been no, there's now there's no hole in the wall and Christina did that. So I loved it. Wow. I, some of my best memories in real estate were right in the beginning, uh, you know, very quickly 
that that we realized that wasn't a good use of my time. But uh, man, I loved going in and painting units and fixing them up, and I I was swinging the hammer. Unbelievable! I mean, that's impressive in a short amount of time to build that many, regardless of whether it's competitive or not. Now, do you still have uh, that portfolio, or have you sized down? No, significantly sized down, and that's a that's a long story. Um, but a- absolutely still an active investor. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, I, I'm, I'm at a point uh, in my just in my life. I'm a single mom. I've got two daughters. Um, I've got the business Postal Impact. So um, just recognizing the fact that that all of that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Uh, there was a big splat in there that that also helped motivate me <laughs> yeah i'm sure <laughs> in, in that realm yeah. not gonna lie yeah. um but the truth of the matter is even coming out of the splat uh i recognized the fact that that was not necessarily owning that many rentals frankly i'd rather own you know 20 rentals free and clear uh than own 250 rentals that are leveraged right right uh so that's kind of more my strategy now and more my thought process now yeah um you know, just kind of uh, really scaling down, uh, but owning things free and clear so that I don't have the stress of the debt yep. hanging yep. over me. So, you know, a lot of folks, including myself, you know, for a long time, we were able to buy properties, just picking them off the MLS. And then it wasn't until the market started turning around, you know, 2011, 12, 13, that we had to kind of figure out how to do direct mail and find off-market properties. Is that kind of when you got into the mailing for probates or have you always done direct mail? No, I mean, we, we got into direct mail relatively quickly and, and probably even before it became super popular to do it. Okay. Uh, so a lot of this stuff we fell into a little bit by mistake. Um, mm-hmm. And we, I, I think we, our experience kind of predated the, the, you, know, the, the, uh, you know, the shows uh, and the popularity of flipping and wholesaling. Uh, so a little bit of that came just, you know, because we had a sense uh, and, and I had a, you know, a business background. So I kind of had a sense of how things should go. Uh, and that's kind of how we went. By the time 2011, 2012 hit, we were already at the point where, you know, we had pretty much tried all of the marketing methods out there and, and had really honed in and perfected probate. Uh, and that was working so well for us and continues to work incredibly well. Uh, it, again, it's the only form of um, direct mail marketing now that I personally do. Wow. Uh, and I can do anything. I, you know, I own a company where I could mail any lead I wanted to, and I only mail probate. They're just that good. <laughs> so let's, let's educate our, um, our, our listeners on what is probate, maybe help them understand what the process is and why it's a good lead to mail to. Sure. Okay. So when most people hear probate, they think it's a death lead. Um, and it kind of is, but it's not quite so scary as that, um, because you are not simply mailing people who have passed away. Uh, you are actually mailing people who have entered into the legal process that each county requires when someone passes away and has an asset that needs to be distributed or handed down uh, to their um, to their heirs. So the uh, the probate in and of itself, you are marketing to people who have uh, gone through the process, who are required to go through the process. Each county um, has a, uh, a threshold that they have, a dollar threshold that they have uh, that, um, and um, I can't think of the word, that the, uh, the asset needs to hit 
before a family even has to go through the probate process. Oh, interesting. So hmm. it's it's not just someone who dies that has to open probate. It, it, someone has to die. There has to be an asset that's significant enough uh, to hit the minimum requirements by the county, and then the family members have to go in uh, at that point and open probate in order to be able to distribute that asset. So the point of probate, frankly, uh, is, you know, well, I'm sure there's a piece of it that, you know, the county wants to make sure that they get their taxes and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but the, the county is also going to require the family to jump through a, a set of hoops and no, uh, post public notices. Uh, and the purpose of that is so that if there's any creditors that want to make a claim against the estate before that asset gets distributed, it gives them the opportunity to do that. Hmm. So the process of probate takes some time sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth of the matter is, uh, one of the things that people find most intimidating about probate is they're like, oh, I don't want to talk to somebody whose family member just died. Usually, there's a small, I mean, I would say probate generally probably gets opened one to three months after the person has passed away. Because somebody's not normally rushing to the courthouse to fill out all that paperwork the moment someone died. Right, right. So there are plenty of people out there who will market to some market to obituaries or market to pre-probate, uh, and that's a whole other thing. But with probate, you're marketing and you're targeting people who have gone through a lot of trouble to publicly signify that they are ready for closure, um, and not uh, foreclose, but ready for closure in this situation. Mm-hmm. They're saying yes. Here's an asset that needs to be distributed. Yes, I'm ready to go through the process uh, that I need to go through in order for that asset to be distributed. So doesn't necessarily mean that there is real estate that's involved, uh, and I want to make sure that that's really clear. Uh, but uh, usually because of the minimum dollar thresholds that are set before someone has to open probate, more often than not, it is going to involve real estate of some kind. Now, whether or not that person is looking to sell that asset, you know, that's, that's a different story, but still a really targeted form of marketing. Um, and the reason why probate tends to be more lucrative than other leads is if you think about the scenario, right, you're not, you're not mailing people who are delinquent. You're not mailing people who are in foreclosure, who are in trouble, uh, which is a very common thing to do. You're mailing someone, uh, you know, who for, I mean, I don't want to sound insensitive, but Frankly, the heirs normally have hit something of a windfall, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they they have this asset, but they don't really know how uh, to to execute the asset. So, you know, you're coming in and you're helping them do that. And more often than not, there's no debt on the property, so you're not dealing with people who are, are in a difficult. Sometimes you are, but more often than not, you're not dealing with people who are in a difficult financial position. Right. Um, so you're you tend to be able to negotiate better pricing. Uh, on those homes, um, because you know the difference between a fifty thousand and a fifty-five thousand dollar offer to somebody who's in financial trouble could mean the difference between them walking away with nothing and them walking away with five thousand. True. But when you're talking about probate, usually you know it's just the difference between fifty and fifty-five thousand for the heir. Yeah. Well, these are typically children, maybe of the deceased, who in the house probably is old, not in great shape, and they just they just want to move on. They don't want to mess with it. They don't yes. want to fix it up. It's just like we're ready to sell dad's house and, and move on with our lives. And I guess that's where you typically exactly. Get those and games. and on on top of that, it's a pain point for them, yeah, right? Because sure. n- not only is it emotional, but the truth of the matter is they don't want to dig through grandma's stuff. Right. Um. You know, it's just, there's no appeal to it. 
Um, so I really focus on that. People ask me often, how do you handle this call differently from your other We Buy Homes calls? And I tell them, you actually really handle it the same way, uh, but you maybe want to focus uh, on what the pain point would be for a family member, which is, hey, uh, when, I, when I take these calls, I say, you know, listen, take, go into the house, take whatever it is that you want out of the house and leave the rest for us to handle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what we do. And that's, you know, that's the service that we provide. Um, so truth of the matter is, um, I can't tell you how many times I've been at a closing table where, you know, family members are crying and hugging me and thanking me for what we do. Wow. Uh, and that's the mentality you want to have going into it because most of the time that's generally how it is. People are very grateful, uh, you know, that you're offering them the service that you are and that you're allowing them to, 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 to hand over a process that seems really overwhelming to them. Yeah. Right. You're, you, you've become that solution for them that they didn't even know they needed. Absolutely. So you've been at this then for a while. What have you learned and how have you honed your skills in terms of mailing probates? Uh, all right. So the first thing, of course, is gathering lead, right? And doing mm-hmm. that consistently. Because in my experience in real estate, hands down, uh, I think what, uh, um, what can... Um, Golly dang, I'm uh, at a loss for words today, but what can uh, sabotage, what can Mm -hmm. sabotage investors' um, consistency is their consistency with marketing. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure your listeners can really relate to the fact that, you know, for those of you that do marketing, you have this huge marketing push and you do all this marketing and you get your deal or two out of the marketing uh, and then you're focused on the deal and you're focused on, you know, getting through that deal. And then right around the one month, right before, you know, you're about one month away from being done or as you're finishing up that rehab and you're getting ready to listen, you go, oh, crap, I need another deal. Let me ramp my marketing up again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that sabotages uh, investors more than anything else because with marketing, uh, and I think this is true in any arena, you have to be methodical and you have to be consistent and you have to put a system in place that does not stop for anything. I mean, I've got clients who send out 50,000 mailers a month, you know, and they'll go to Cabo and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be in Cabo for two weeks and I need you to uh, hold my campaign while I'm gone. With my marketing company, we tell them, no, we say, listen, if you want to do that, and if you want to start and stop this campaign, we're not the marketing comp- company for you because what we know that's going to do is it's going to sabotage your success. Mm-hmm. With mail marketing, especially if you're going to get into mail marketing, you've got to have a system in place that's super duper consistent that stops for nothing. So with probate, what I've learned is, you know, not only do you need to make sure that you're, you've got a system in place for gathering that lead, and anybody can gather the lead, Um, but you've got to consistently gather the lead and then you have to consistently mail that lead and you need to do it more than once. Uh, and I would say that's true of any mail marketing campaign. You Mm -hmm. need to have a drip campaign. You need to touch those clients more than one time. You need to make sure that you're hitting them at different pain points uh, of the month. So with probates, we actually uh, send a total of four letters and we space each one of those letters six weeks apart Uh, again, we want to hit them at different points of the month. We don't always want to hit them at the end of the month because maybe that's not when they're going to be strained financially. Maybe they're strained on the 15th of a month. Mm. So we make sure we mix it up and we're hitting them at different points of the month and we're hitting them multiple times. I would say that's probably what I've learned most about mail marketing is just making sure that you're super consistent with it. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that wanted to break into real estate 
and they and they want to get into direct mail and they mail once and then they're like, man, it didn't work for me. Well, no, this doesn't work. It doesn't yeah, work. Totally. That's not how you do it. It's never going to work if you just do it once and stop. It's got to be consistent. I'm sure that's true yes, with probate. And, and, I, and that, that stands true for any method that you're using true. for the deal, right? Like if, if, if you're only getting your houses from MLS, you can't make 25 offers one day and then say it doesn't work. You have to, I mean, you know, uh, with my students, I will tell them, listen, I'd rather see you do five every day than 50 one day. Yeah. You've got to do something and you've got to, you've got to be willing to put your head down uh, and, and push, you know, push through that uh, and, and be super consistent with what you're doing. Yep. Absolutely. So with your, the probates, how, well, let's talk just generically, how does somebody get a, pro, a probate lead? Uh, there's a couple of different ways. Um, hopefully you live in a state, ideally. Well, and there's reasons why that's not, not ideal, but with some counties, I'd say maybe 30% of the counties across the nation, you can actually get the information online. Um, the easiest way to do that is just to Google probate leads in your county and see if they have online access uh, to those leads. Uh, so that's the easiest way to do it, but you need to do it consistently. You need to figure out what their system is because every single county does it differently. They store the records differently. They house them differently. They code them differently. So you're going to need to invest a little bit of time on the front end figuring out how it is that they organize their leads, and then you've got to have an internal system in place to gather those leads consistently every single month. Mm. Um, 70% of the time, I would say, uh, you actually have to physically walk into the courthouses where these records are housed. Uh, I know it's, it, it still shocks me to this day uh, how few counties provide records online, uh, especially with technology being what it is. But we literally go into courthouses sometimes that are still using microfiche. Oh, and yeah. you probably have like 75% of your listeners probably don't even know what that is. It's really, <laughs> really old. <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like these reams. I mean, it looks like an old, you know, sometimes they'll hand you like this thing that looks like those old film tins. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's got the microfiche in there oh, and you've got to feed it in. It's, it's, it blows my mind. So every courthouse is different. But you need to find out where your, the, the records are housed. Go into that courthouse on a monthly basis gather those leads. Once again, you're going to put a little time on the front end of figuring out how they store them, how they code them, uh, and then you'll gather the lead. The information that you're looking to gather is the name of the representative of the estate, their mailing address, because that's who you're going to mail, and the name of the estate of the person who died. So the estate of John Doe, and then you're mailing the person uh, who is the named representative on that case, which is normally either the sole heir or at least one of the heirs. Uh, and you're sending them a letter and saying, hey, you know, if there is a home that needs to be sold, uh, you know, that's my, my, my company offers that as a service. Hmm. So it's, you know, super kind, super uh, professional. Uh, we, don't, we don't do a whole lot of referencing in the letters of the death itself and going into, you know, huge, ridiculous apologies that are completely insincere anyway. If we just kind of say, hey, this is what our company does. Uh, and if we can be of service to you, you know, reach out and contact us. You know, I've heard, I've talked to other investors that said, absolutely don't ever mention the fact that somebody's passed away. Just act like you're an investor looking to buy the house because people end up just getting more offended if they think you're reaching out to them because there's been a death in the family. What, yep. What's your well, big? We have both templates, um, mm -hmm. and both templates work really well. 
Uh, I have marketed to probates probably eight or nine years, and we do reference the estate. We'll say we're contacting you in reference to the estate of John Doe. We want to let you know, uh, you know, that we're a company that buys homes, uh, and we, you know, perhaps we can be of service to you. Obviously, that's not the entirety of the letter. We kind of explain what we do, uh, and each of the subsequent letters gets a little bit shorter. Uh, we've always referenced the estate, uh, and we've done that without any issues, and that letter has been incredibly successful for us. Hmm particularly when we have someone who uh, is real nervous about it, because we do have some clients who get re- just really get nervous about it. Uh, we do have a generic letter that you could send that just, it, it, it's, you know, it's a typical We Buy Homes letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's normally, you know, whatever your preference is. Um, we actually give our clients the letter campaigns that we use to let them read them. Uh, and then I always tell people, you know, no matter what letter you're using, whether you're using one from a company like mine or you're getting one off the Internet, just make sure it sounds like your voice, you yeah. know, because you want consistency when you're talking to people. So if you pull a letter off the Internet that's incredibly professional and you have more of a laid back demeanor on the phone, you want to make sure that everything feels consistent hmm. uh, and, and is true to you. And you can easily do that just by changing up a little bit of the verbiage. Um, that's my suggestion is just to make, you know, read the letters and say, man, that one feels good to me. Yeah. That feels nice. That feels good. And go with something like that. What are your thoughts on like yellow letters or postcards when it comes to probates? Uh, I don't do them. Uh, my company, we handle probates with kid gloves. Uh, we do, especially because probate leads, frankly, are very expensive to gather. Um, you know, just the way that I've described it, I'm sure you can tell that mm-hmm. it's relatively labor intensive to gather the lead. It's, a, it's an incredible lead, but it takes a lot of work to gather and filter that lead properly. Uh, so with probates, we do a super duper high end, super custom mail campaign. We use small invitation-style envelopes. We use a very high-end envelope. We actually, our company actually uh, has created our own envelopes. We have them custom-made because we order in such high volume. Um, But we use super-duper high-end. We've researched everything right down to what kind of flap gets the the highest response rate on our envelopes. So is it a flat flap? Is it a euro flap? Is Is it a pointed flap? Should you seal the flap or should you put a sticker over the flap? I mean, that's the kind. I mean, that's that's the level of detail we get to when we're handling someone's mail campaign. With probates in particular, I have clients who really want to throw a postcard in there, and you can do that. But you know, it, just because of the the nature of it, uh, I really suggest, especially if you're going to spend that much money on a lead, that you just do it really, really well. We handwrite all of our all of our um, mail for probates, physically handwriting. We have human beings actually handwriting it. We use first-class stamps. Uh, honestly, I, I wish I could show you a picture. I mean, they look like, a, a, like they look like an invitation. Uh, really? You know, wow. and you, we, Yeah, I mean, they, they look like somebody sent you an invitation. So even if you think maybe this is marketing, I'm telling you, you're going to open that thing up because you're going to be like, just in case. Because, you know, we, we make it look really, really nice. Um, and, and we do other things for other campaigns, but with probate in particular, I suggest that you really stick to something higher end because it's a little bit more sensitive, Mm -hmm. um, than throwing a postcard or a yellow letter at them. I, I've never done yellow letter or postcard. Interesting. And so what are you, with a nice mail piece like that, what are your response rates typically like? Um, where our goal is always for our clients response rates. Uh, we, we're trying to get them into the two to 3% range. 
Um, but frankly, nationwide, a 1% uh, is a really, really good response rate for a, a, a male campaign. Sure. Uh, less than 1% is the nationwide average. Yep. Uh, so 1% is, you know, a, is a success. Um, we're trying really hard to get you into that 2 to 3% range. It depends, obviously, on which, in, uh, which part of the country that you're in, because some, some parts of the country are incredibly competitive and others aren't. Uh, I'm in Delaware. So, like I said, not, it's not necessarily known as a hotbed of investors. I mean, we have plenty of competition around here, but, you know, my, my campaigns uh, consistently are in that 2 to 3% range, sometimes higher. Our last several campaigns have been pushing the 4% uh, response rate. Now, let me clarify that because I don't want uh, to give anybody the wrong impression. By response rate, I mean an open rate. Yeah. So if somebody contacts you and says, hey, I don't have a home that needs to be sold or, you know, what, what the, the bottom line is when someone op- within mail marketing, when someone opens and responds to your mail mar- marketing piece in any way, that's a win. Yeah. That's a huge win. Because right. the, the, the point of mail marketing is to get as many people as possible to open your envelope because eventually then your message is going to get to the right person. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not necessarily cost per lead. It's cost per, like you said, response. Yeah. What about, do you have any metrics on cost per acquisition? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, I mean, I know for me, um, we, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it myself, but we send, I, I mail all three counties in Delaware. There's only three counties in the entire state. <laughs> wow. Uh, and we probably mail, yeah, um, we probably mail about 175, maybe 175 pieces per month, new pieces per month. And then, of course, we have the drips going on. Yep. Um, from those leads that I mail, um, you know, and let, let's, let's, do, let's do it this way. On average, that's going to cost someone, let's say, let's say the cost is about $1,000 a month between all of your drip campaigns and the cost of the lead. Okay. From my mailers that I do, you know, I get my three to four deals. I, 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 I'm at a place in my career where I, I will only do one rehab at a time. Uh, it, otherwise, it just, I, I, can, I can lose a lot mm-hmm. in efficiency, et cetera. So I get my three to four rehabs uh, from that. Uh, and then I, I probably get another few three to four wholesales. Um, because the one thing about probates is they're perfect for wholesale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, absolutely perfect. They're just incredibly easy, uh, to, to assign. I find that I'm assigning more than I have in the past just because the market is so competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can just make so much more money with wholesale and it's immediate. Um, but frankly, I, you know, I wholesale, uh, in, uh, when I get a lead in an area, I really don't want to rehab in, I wholesale that lead. Um, or when my deal is too tight, like if I'm not going to make 40 to 60 grand on the rehab, um, uh, I'm looking to wholesale that thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many more investors out there right now who are willing to pay more or, you know, willing to work in numbers smaller than I am. I guess I'll say it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'll wholesale those. Um, really awesome. If you have a great relationship, if you're either a realtor or you have a great relationship with a realtor as well, because most of the time, if you can't make a deal work, uh, it's just because the house is not in poor enough condition for them to, for it to make sense for them to sell, you know, sell it to an investor. Um, but I refer tons of, uh, tons of sellers to realtors, uh, when I can't make the number work and the house is listable. If you're a realtor, that's a plan B. 
create solid plan B for you or, you know, if you have a relationship with a realtor. Uh, to pass those leads on and scratch their Absolutely. back on that. Absolutely. That's yeah. huge. Well, you got to figure for us, if we buy one in 50 leads, well, there's still 49 leads out there that sit, raise their hand and say they want to sell their house. So that, that, yes. that should be gold for a real estate agent to get some listings. Yes. Yes. So, so wow. So a thousand bucks a month and potentially you're getting six to eight a year. I mean, that cost per acquisition is less than 2000 per acquisition. That's really solid. That's, that's fantastic. Now, those are good numbers. Let, let, in, in fairness, I have to tell you, I'm killer on the phone. Uh, <laughs> well, that, really, you know, really that, good. yeah, that plays there, a big I've part of it. I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. I, I, and I'm very good. We also, honestly, we still pick up our phone. Like, I still answer my phone to this day. It's either me or my business partner that, you know, we are the ones that are answering the phone. And, and when that bad phone rings, man, we're jumping for it. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're really, really, really maximizing the lead yeah. in all fairness. Uh, so I know a lot of my clients will use, um, you know, um, Pat Live or, yeah. you know, some of these other systems. And that's fine. It's still successful. I mean, uh, there's no doubt about it. I, I think I'm at the top of my game in, in you know, because I, I'm saying that because I'm super modest. But you know, I, <laughs> I am really on that side of it. I feel like I'm really good at what I do. Uh, if, if I'm going to get you on the phone. And if there's a chance that you're going to sell at the price that I want, I'm going to close that deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I don't, I don't want to say that my results aren't reflective uh, of what's typical um, because I, I have people that crush me. I mean, I have people that go crazy with, uh, I just mail the lead. I don't do anything else, but I have clients who, you know, will then Facebook it and skip trace them and do that. Um, I've had clients report response rates as high as 14%, Wow! but they're really doing a lot of other things, you know, to maximize that lead. So uh, to me, a lot of it just depends on how serious you are about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you answering your phone? You know, are you going, are you, man, when I answer that phone, I'm like, Hey, uh, when are you going to eat dinner? Can I come now? Like, if it sounds <laughs> like a deal, I'm getting out there and I'm not leaving without that contract being signed. <laughs> how, so how big is Delaware that you could, can you just jump in your car and get around the state pretty easy? I mean, it's fairly small, right? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say if you drove from one end to the other, you're probably talking about maybe three hours. Okay. Um, now, granted, you know, there's the inroads and stuff. So I'm in the middle, and that's really the county I like to rehab in. I don't like to rehab in the high county or the low county. Uh -huh. uh, so I still I still market to those counties, but I, I'll mostly wholesale in those counties I got you. if I get a deal there. Well, you've been at this for a while, and you're obviously good at what you do. Is there one deal in particular that stands out to you as your best deal ever? <laughs> um. You know what? I'm going to go rogue on this answer. I'm going to say my best deal ever was the one that took us down. Ooh, um, we like got it. involved. Uh, you know, we were in rentals and we ended up buying an apartment complex uh, mm. that it, right at the height of the market. We bought an apartment complex with the intent to condo it uh, and sell them off because that was a really popular thing to do. Yep. Um, not here. You know, in in like Florida and stuff like that, and because of our contacts, we were aware of the method, and so we were like, well, why wouldn't that work here? Uh, so, you know, this was a I don't know twenty million dollar project. I mean, it was a really really wow. big deal, uh, and we bought it, we condoed it off, and right about the time that we had the condo approved and had everything separate separated, the market crashed. Oof. Uh, condo fin condo financing went away. 
Oh, no. And frankly, rather than, um, you know, just walk, we'd set the, the companies up well enough that we, you know, probably should have just, uh, you know, walked away at that point and cut our losses. We, we tried to hold on. You know, we were landlords, and we were like, all right, maybe we could, you know, do this as, a, as an apartment complex, but we had bought it as a condo, so it was, it was over-leveraged from an apartment complex standpoint. Uh, we had gotten rid of all of the tenants because we wanted to condo them, so we were at a, like, 12% uh, occupancy. Oh. I mean, it was just oh, huge. Um, and really, if I'm being honest, over the course of the next two to three years, I mean, it just completely wiped us out. Everything that we had uh, worked for and worked all those years for, everything that we had built, I mean, it really just, uh, I don't know how else to say it except that it, it legitimately wiped us out. Um, here's why that ended up being my best deal ever. Not that I would want to repeat that, but what I learned from that process up until that point, you know, it was like everything that we touched turned to gold. Um, we felt like this made sense because we were landlords and flippers. So we were like, well, why can't we do that? That, you know, it's, it's just repeating the same thing on a much bigger scale. Uh, so number one, we went into it, not cocky in a weird way, but really cocky. Like there's no reason why we can't do this. So we got out of our lane uh, and, and, and merged into something uh, that was far bigger, uh, a far bigger scale than what we had done. Um, so that was, you know, a lesson that needed to be learned. Um, you know, just stay in your lane. When, you're, when you've got something and it's working incredibly well, keep doing that. <laughs> Don't get distracted yeah. by all of this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and the, the truth of the matter is it changed my life because it really, really made me understand and realize we didn't have to do that deal. We were doing so well. Uh, we were on a track to, uh, I mean, frankly, at that point, we were making enough money that we could have just treaded water for the rest of our lives and lived an outrageously amazing life beyond our hopes and dreams. We didn't get into that deal out of greed. We got into that deal just because the opportunity presented itself and because we didn't have a vision for our lives, hmm. uh, nothing stopped us from doing it. We didn't say we had never defined what was enough for us and what was our stopping point. So it was kind of like, well, this, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. This makes a lot of sense. We didn't need to do the deal. The deal that took us down is a oh. deal that we totally didn't need to do. We already had more money than we honestly thought we could ever spend. Um, it was just something to do. Uh, and it taught me the lesson of, man, defining when your cup overflows mm -hmm. um, and di just deciding, okay, this, this is enough. Now I'm going to focus on life yeah. versus just doing more and more and more because oftentimes more is just more. Yeah. So as painful as that was, I'm living the life that I live right now because of that deal. Yeah. You're smarter for it. You know, where I'm, it's like a very, very yeah. expensive lesson is what it was. Yes, man. Oh, man. Beyond. I can't even. I. <laughs> Holy cow. But I'm going to call that my, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to flip the table and call that my best deal. No, I Just love because, it. again, if I'd never learned that lesson, I would still, at 43, year, 43 years old today, I would still be just not out of, again, not out of greed, just out of, you know, that's, that's our spirit, right? That's the entrepreneurial spirit is, you know, more and more and more. Right. Not from a greedy standpoint, just from a, Hey, I want to push myself. I want to challenge myself. I want to do that. And there comes a point when you have to go at what point am I just going to enjoy my life, invest into my kids, um, get involved in, you know, volunteering, whatever yeah. it is, you know, whatever it is. 
it's crazy what an amazing life that you can live for a lot less than you think that you can. Sure. Uh, and to me, there comes a point when it's just not worth more is just more. Yeah. That's so counter to what, how investors are wired, but I love what you said that you never defined what was enough. How many of us sit down and say, okay, this is, this is my goal. When I'm here, I don't need to continue building. I can actually stop yeah. and refocus. I love that. That's awesome. And it's okay if you choose to keep building. If it, it's okay if you get to that waypoint and then you go, no, I'm going to build again, but I'm going to build this much. Yeah. You know, just define it because otherwise you're never going to hit that enough point. Yeah. And before you know it, you might get involved in something that, you know, that like, like I said, that wipes everything else that you've worked for out. Right, right. That's awesome. All right, so take a minute, Christine, and point us to your website. If people are interested in learning more about probates or mailing or maybe they want to utilize your service, where can we point them to? Yeah, okay. Uh, so you can go to my website at postalimpact.com. Uh, there you can learn about what we do, learn about our services. Uh, uh, you can fill out a form uh, if you want us to contact you and you just, you know, you want to speak with someone to learn a bit, a little bit more about it. Uh, to, if you want to see if your counties are available for service, because we work with a limited number of investors. Uh, once we hit two investors in each county, we, we cap it out and we lock the county out. We only work with a certain number of investors in each county. So if you want to find out if your counties are available, you can do that. Um, Ken, I think we're going to give, uh, my ebook, uh, uh, is for sale on the website, but I think we're going to give that to your listeners, right? That is huge and incredibly generous folks. So she sells a really, really strong book on probate investing. It's called the real estate investors guide to big profits okay. in probates. You can go to her site and buy it for 97 bucks. There's a buy now, or she is willing to give it away to our members. I strongly suggest you take her up on that. You can actually go to our website at dealfarm.net and through the contact us, just say, hey, Ken, I want the free probate book and we will email it directly to you completely free. Christina, that is very generous and super appreciative of you doing that for our listeners. Oh man, yeah. And, and guys, it, it'll go through, you know, it'll, it'll help you understand what a probate is, give you some tips for how to market to it, and even tell you how to get the lead. Uh, I mean, it, it walks you through the entire process. That's awesome. So you don't have to pay for probate leads if you want to do the work of doing it yourself. I have a feeling Correct. people will do it one time and be like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'll pay for somebody else to do this for me. <laughs> that is true. The, the truth of the matter is you probably won't. But if you want to learn about probates and you want to see if this is, you know, maybe a tool you want to add to your tool, tool, to your tool belt, um, you know, that's a great, that ebook is a great place to start um, just to get your, get your feet wet in it. Absolutely. Christina, this has been super insightful, very beneficial. I love the uh, interview all around. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You bet. Thanks for having me, Ken. All right. Take care. Hey folks, it's Ken again, and I want to talk to you for just a quick second about becoming a private lender with our company, Georgia Residential Partners. If you've got money right now sitting on the sidelines, maybe it's in a bank account earning less than 1%, or maybe it's in the stock market and you're worried about where the stock market is headed, you might want to consider becoming a private lender with our company. Where you might be getting 1% to 2% on a CD or a money market account right now, when you become a private lender with us, you're actually well into the double digits in terms of return on investment. Again, if you've got money that's not working for you right now, it's sitting on the sidelines and you want to get it into investment that's safe, that's passive and has the opportunity to get you well into the double digits, 
please reach out to me. You can actually contact us through our website at dealfarm.net. Go to the contact us page. It goes right into my inbox and I will reply and set up a time to talk. Thanks so much for listening to The Deal Farm. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.